Come on, Gregory, swing across to us on the other bank using the rope swing we've just made. Yes, come on, Gregory, swing across to us and we'll go play in the abandoned barn. You must promise to hold my hand if I get scared. I am sorry, my friends. I will not attempt this rope swing. I want to live a long and happy life. OK, Gregory, it is your loss. I guess I'll have to hold Vladimir's hand instead. Goodbye, Gregory. Ah, we're having so much fun. Father... The other children no longer want to play with me because I am too sensible and fear the repercussions of any thoughtless youthful exuberance. You are a fine and deep-thinking boy, my son. You are unwilling to let go and enjoy yourself. That is why the other children play their games of hand-holding without you. What can I do, father? My heart is heavy. I no longer want to stand as an observer to my own childhood. It is simple, my son. Remember this one truth. Life's too short to wait. We have but a brief span on this earth. Use it wisely. Life is too short to wait. Precisely. I understand, Father. Here, let me try this rope swing again. Ah, I've slipped and fallen into the river. I think I've broken one of my legs quite badly, but I've never felt so alive. Thank you, Father, for teaching me this valuable lesson. You are welcome, Grigori. Now we should probably get you to a hospital. Well, Grigori, you are now a man and off to study in Moscow. As you leave the bosom of your family, remember one thing. Life's too short to wait. I know, Father. That is why I am travelling to Moscow by hang glider. It may seem dangerous and impractical, but it is also thrilling. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye, my son. Gregory, no one has eaten four dozen pickled eggs in one sitting before. You're a campus legend. What drives you to such inspired acts of lunacy? It's simple, my friend. Life's too short to wait. I saw the pickled eggs and I ate them. Anything else would be a waste of my time. Now excuse me, I fear I must go and spend many unpleasant hours in the bathroom. Grigori, I can't believe you jumped into the cage with that rabid mountain lion. You are amazing and also badly injured. But I wanted to know how soft its pelt was. And after all, life's too short to wait. Professor Chekhov was wrong to throw you out of university just because you mounted a full song and dance number in the middle of his lecture. All the girls think you're amazing, Grigori. Fighting is wrong, Grigori. You shouldn't have fought all five of those heavily armed men at once. I'm not sure a homemade rocket pack was the best choice for a first foray into engineering, Grigori. Nurse, fetch the ointment. I just think a good rule of thumb is don't put anything sharp down your trousers. But serving in the Navy, Grigori, have you any idea how long a tour of duty is for a submariner? But life's too short to wait. The professor wants you thawed out in Moscow, but life's too short to wait.
Mother is shoving, bite for control, heat the war like an oven. Help! Rush the monster that plagues us, tar disappears, and it's Viva Las Vegas deadly. When it tears up the circuitry, everyone's sure that war is a certainty. Love it or fear it, get out of its way. Better use a cattle prod, the kid don't play. If there is a problem, yo, he'll solve it. Check out the dock whilst the Time Lord resolves it. Lights are blinking Quick to the brig To the brig we're chaining Look at sleepy He just starts complaining So still He ain't quick and nimble Out of the suit Ain't that simple And just like that On the loose gone solo He's on a roll With a song about red snow AWOL Don't mean to be crude Stalking the crew He's a psychopath nude Lacking protection Trying vivisection Will he stop? Complete rejection Kept on Destroying under the sea, busting heads and not listening to the dogs plea, his suit was gone, yo. But he proceeded to call it with remote control. Things were tense, no need for deduction. Nukes assuring mutual destruction. Panic, cause we're running out of time. Calm the alarm and we're all doing fine. Ready for the missile to fly. Doctor's acting wild cause the stakes are so high. Clara sings out like a bell, appeals to the past and his kid as well. Falling on his mercy, real fast, beams to his ship, slams on the gas. Second to second, the crew hold their breath. They're trying to work out the time they have left The lights are all red, that means we're all dead They turn to green, there's relief in the bulkhead If there is a problem, yo, he'll solve it Check out the dock whilst the Time Lord resolves it Ice, ice, warrior Series 5, episode 14 of the Oodcast. And Isn't here it we funny are. that we forgot last week's number? <laughs> mm. Are we subconsciously trichodicophobic? Oh, everybody wanted to say that. <laughs> Let's all just say it. Trichodicophobic. Which is an irrational fear of the number 13. Well, guys, I'm very impressed. Obviously, that was the first week ever that you set up and produced it entirely, just the three of you, was it? Um, yes, it was actually. Well, at first, I was afraid. I was petrified. 
but we got through it in the end. And we realised mm. we don't really need Chris. It, uh, that did sound... Oh. Oh. That's harsh. I thought I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was only joking. No. It's nice to have Sigma back as well. Yeah, I'm glad yes. to be back. Welcome, comrade. Thank you. Oh, I see we've done that. So, I've got a question for our Russian listeners. Um, if we have any Russian listeners, if we, we do, then hello. We do. We have two. <gasps> two Russian mm. listeners. So, you guys, you know who you are. You you select few. What does Milaya Moya mean? Because I I don't know if the uh, Russian submariner is using it as a term of affection towards the frozen iceberg oh, yes, chappy, or if it's just a sort of like a, a Russian word for frozen object. So oh, I do actually please find know. out. I do actually know. Lollipop. It Go means on. my lovely pickle. My lovely pickle. Yeah, it's a really? term of affection. I might have to start using that just in in general conversation. I do like that. That's that's kind of that's a little bit nice, isn't it? No, oh, mm. my lovely pickle. We like to see what you are. I don't. I don't think he's telling the truth, though, Andy. I, I think he might be fudging it there, just a little bit. There'll be no fudge on the Oudcast. Well, Professor, what is it? Ice, Commander. There's something in there. I, I want to take it back to Moscow and defrost it. Remains of some sort. Remains? Remains of what? <sighs> right. Come on, Sergei. Remember your interrogation training. First thing that pops into your head and then sell it. It's a mammoth. A mammoth? Uh, um, yes, Commander. Bit small, isn't it? Well, it's not a grown-up one, obviously. A, a child. A, a small child, like a toddler mammoth, only smaller, you know, baby size. Possibly even a, a mammoth newborn or, or a, a fetus. That, that's it. Um, it's a mammoth fetus. Well... All right, it's obviously not a whole mammoth fetus. That's, you know, just a bit, bit of one. Obviously, that's why it can fit into an ice cube. It, it, it's a leg. No, no, an arm. All right, I know they just had four legs and no arms. I'm a professor, not a buffoon. It's a right back claw. Yes, mammoths had claws, and no, comrade, I don't know why no one else has ever discovered that before. Professor, I want you to know... Oh, good grief. Listen, mammoth fetuses just were around seven feet in height, okay? No one has worked out why yet, but one day we will make that breakthrough for Mother Russia, I'm sure. Our glorious leader wants to ride a mammoth into Berlin. Okay, but... Oh, for goodness sake, your questioning is pathetic. I do not intend to waste my time arguing with you. I won the state scientific prize three times in the last decade, so I'm appalled at your disrespect. Just get off my back, will you? I've, I've got some yazoo to listen to. I just wanted to say thank you for the mixtape. Her name is Rio and she dances on the sand. One of my first thoughts was very, very good model work happening, you know. Mm. Amazing. Mm. And I thought, look, Probably better than CGI. I just yeah. thought it was really top draw CGI, but actually it was just <laughs> excellent model work. Yeah. But I must say that the CGI of the sea right at the start, assuming that was CGI, was splendid because it really looked icy. I didn't write any sketches on the submarine this week, so I wouldn't have to do the sound effects <laughs> for the submarine. I wrote one. I oh. know. <laughs> But it's really small. Does it? You're going to have to do the sound effects then. Have you got a small wood block that you could use? (laughs) So why Um, is the Doctor so fond of the Barbie that he drops? Yeah. Yeah, That's a good question. 
Is it a secret Barbie that's secretly a sonic screwdriver? Hmm? Sonic Maybe Barbie. hidden in her head? Sonic Barbie. There should be an Adventures of Sonic Barbie. Is it a Rose action figure? No. I have to say that I was impressed with it, though, because it was very different from what we've had so far this series. Um, but it also was a, a gloriously classic episode of Doctor Who, whilst also being gloriously new series. Instead of killing the Ice Warrior, like they might have found a way of turning the heating up or something like that, um, there's that glorious dialogue between the Ice Warrior and the Doctor. These two kind of soldiers in their own right, but the Doctor holds firm to his faith that the right thing to do is to find a non-violent ending. I think Andy's right. I think it really is a blend of some of the best elements of classic Who and the new series. Um, it's it's very tightly written. Um, it has great use of character. Uh, some of the guest stars are some of the strongest we've seen for yeah. a while, particularly mm-hmm. the professor I thought was mm. this wonderfully complex character. He wasn't a stock boffin. He had real idiosyncrasies, which I really loved. Mm, yeah. I thought his scenes with Clara were just brilliant little they were note perfect yeah they? Absolutely. I, I did wonder to start with whether or not the professor had been written for a, a younger actor uh originally and then they found out that david warner was was available and was willing to do it mm-hmm. and thought, did you know what? We'll, we'll just give that do character to him anyway and i think that probably worked in the script's favor it was much mm-hmm. a much more rounded character for being an older man i think a more interesting character. and why do you say maybe they wrote it for a younger man because th- i did notice there was a line where he says all oh, this dashing about's not for an old man <laughs> well it's it's an older man who is into current music mm-hmm. ah. and given the state of music then mm-hmm. that would have been quite unusual it's a rare alchemy it's a, mm. it's a character that that yeah doesn't seem written it seems yeah like like people are mm. just like yeah these but weird... because you know if that is what happened that's a, a wonderful little coincidence that's made that character seem very organic and very rounded immediately which i thought is was brilliant i thought that his interactions with clara at the point where she's suddenly lost her courage and 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 is petrified were actually really well written mm-hmm. um the fact that he's trying to talk to her to sort of coax her out of her shell into a conversation mm-hmm. and says you know what do, so what is it that you do and she goes i, I don't know stuff because yes. that's exactly how i respond when mm-hmm. i'm scared like I, I lose the ability to think coherently or speak properly and he makes and she jokes that very well you know yeah. except she's a time traveler and then makes jokes about mm-hmm. it to make her feel at mm-hmm. ease i mean that's brilliant he tries it? to make her sing as well which i really loved <laughs> and then, of course, the moment she does finally sing is when she thinks, that's it, we're all gonna, we're all gonna die. Yeah. And I thought that that was um, the performance of Jenna Louise Coleman and David Warner all through those sequences was, as we said, it was note perfect. And it seemed so, it seemed so effortlessly real as well. It was such great acting. And, but that particular moment, Clara thinks that's the end. And it's so different from what she was like in The Rings of Akaten when she was like, you know, don't worry, we'll be fine. But it's more than that, isn't it? When she sings, she is also, I think, referencing the fact that he sings songs, the Ice Warrior sung songs with his daughter. Ah, So there's actually that tied in as well. It's just a perfect moment. It was the one thing I went on Twitter afterwards and said, oh, that little phrase she sung as they waited was just this incredible narrative beat. Yeah. Just brilliant. It's funny because I didn't like it at all. (laughs) I, I thought it was a bit cheap and easy to get her to slot in with a little ditty 
I thought the doctor had already convinced um what's his name? Scaroth? Skaldak. Skaldak. Not Scaroth. Whoops, that's a bit of a <laughs> That's City of Death. Yeah. Yes. Uh Skaldak. I thought that the doctor had already managed to convince him not to burn the whole human race in blood and um we didn't necessarily need Clara chipping in. I think it was just to give her something to do. We didn't but know at that point though, did we? We you know, we suspected as an audience because there was two minutes of the episode left, but we still didn't quite know. Before we move off Clara, I think she's very interesting in this episode. Um, she's not just completely in control. She's not just scared. She oscillates between being kind of uh, thrilled by what's happening to her mm. and being, as Laura said, completely almost non-verbal with fear. And I thought that was an incredible range. Mm. Yeah, she she gets put into a situation she's not used to. She gets she she sort of does this automatic. Yes, I can do that. I can do something useful. Oh my god, what have I done? I'm in a room with an ice warrior, mm. and that's I I think that's a whole new. You know, she's not trying to impress the doctor. She's trying to do something useful, and then realizes this is something I have never done before, and it is terrifying. Hang on, she's not trying to impress the doctor I don't because think the so. whole way through, she's she's saying, "How did I do? Did I do all right? I yeah. thought I did okay. Not in did that, I do all not, right? Not in the scene where she agreed, where she says, "No, I can do that because I'm the one that's not you." But at that point, I was very but, surprised. Where I, I sort of wondered, where did she get her balls from? When Clara's trying to persuade the doctor to let her go into the room and talk to the ice warrior. Uh, he's he's just smiling at her, kind of like, you know, encouragingly, and then it registers on his face what she means is she, yeah. she wants to go yeah. in. I just think it's a lovely moment between Matt Smith and Jenna Louise Coleman. I've, they've got gr- such a great dynamic. And and again at the end where she realises that's what they do. We mm. save the world, don't yeah. we? That's what we do. Um, we haven't really said anything about the Ice Warriors because I know Chris Alpha in particular was a fan of the Ice Warriors. I was quite glad there wasn't more than one of him. And when the new series brought back Dalek, that was perfect. It, there was one of them. It demonstrated, you know, the, the callousness of the Dalek, the danger, um, and also, I guess, the weakness of the Daleks. Um, when they brought back the Cybermen, they brought back chuffing loads of them, and it was a bit rubbish in some ways compared to the Dalek. So so I was quite happy that, that they brought him back on his own. Um, and... Actually, he was scarier, far scarier than any Ice Warriors I've ever read or seen. It was wonderfully, wonderfully uh, um, faithful to the original design. And that's what really made my heart sing. Except. <laughs> Except? Except that he could leave his armour. Oh, <clears throat> did you not like Which that? Which I thought was brilliant. I didn't particularly like the fact they showed his actual face at the end. I thought that sort of spoiled some of the mystery. Oh, interesting. But I did not not like it. I just thought that it spoiled a little bit of the mystery. How his face distorts when his helmet comes off like he's a slightly squeaky toy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the element that Mark Gatiss pitched to Stephen Moffat yeah. that allowed him to bring them back. Right. It was the leaving the armour, the something new that allowed Stephen Moffat to say yes. I found it yes. thrilling that yeah. we saw them outside of it. Uh, we saw it outside of its armour because I have always wanted to know what they look like without the armour on. Uh, and um, what I thought also... I always just assumed they were just that shape. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that I thought was quite funny was that they move like lightning outside of their armour, mm. which is quite funny when you consider that the moth's kind of reservation about bringing them back was that they are a lumbering, slow, yeah. heavy monster. Exactly. It's quite brilliant. They are like ninjas when they're not in the armour <laughs> and they're like tanks when they are. You know, they're, they're a, a double threat. Mm. If they could dance, there'd be a triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Et maintenant, le Udcast fait une présentation de théâtre, La mort de glacé. Like the cherry. Shut up. No, Brutalak, don't get up. I need to say something, and I need to say it now. I can't let this feeling build up inside of me any longer. By the moons, I have loved being your wife. It was so perfect when we began, proud warriors of the Thalysian caste. We fought side by side across countless galaxies, laying waste to our enemies, singing the songs of the old time. The songs of the red snows, the blue snows, and even the yellow snows, when it was late and we thought no one was listening. And I loved you then, loved you with every beat of my cold reptilian heart. You were so strong and scaly and handsome. Even your propensity to be defeated by a strong electric current didn't put me off. Like that time you rewired a plug and accidentally put yourself into a coma. I thought it was cute, but something happened. We grew apart. We stopped caring. Time has driven a wedge between us. Now I look at you and I don't know what you're thinking. Sometimes you don't seem to be there at all. So silent. So vacant. Almost empty. I'm sorry. I've been building up the courage to say this for months. Every word is a cattle prod to my heart. I'm not sure how much more I can say. I don't love you. I haven't for a long time. I'm leaving. Well, do you have anything to say? Anything at all? Evening, honey. Sorry to leave without telling you. I just slipped out of the old armour to nip down the road for a kebab. You all right? What? Eat kettle prod, you little... It's funny that you chaps found them more frightening because, in fact, my mum, who's appeared on the cast before, said she thought that they were rubbish outside of their armour, really weak and puny. I'm like, mum, did you not see that he ripped a person in half? Half of their crew, didn't it? That he (laughs) tore off somebody's head. And she's like, well, I didn't think it was very scary. (laughs) But I love the crazy big fingernails Mm, with the talons. I kept on wondering, because of the way that they unfortunately had it grasping onto the various characters' faces, whether or not he was going to slide one up his nose or into his ear as a a method of probing his brain, like, oh, I get all of this from your bogeys. Uh. That would perhaps be one way of doing it. Actually, the way that the bodies were sliced apart, but forensically, was a really chilling detail. He's not Mm. a psycho, he's a tactician. Mm. You know, that's really cool. He's a soldier. Yeah, and the the way he can get, well, the the way he disappeared into the walls and was using Mm. their wall system, that was ridiculously creepy i know and uh, then then, it can, then he can call his armor to him as an extra yeah whoa that was great <laughs> it was a nice use of the old doctor who um ventilation shaft thing that mm. wasn't it <laughs> and of course the cheeky it's in the walls is a direct quote from aliens <laughs> which um or alien mm. is certainly what this episode most closely indeed yeah very clearly <laughs> of course it's not that realistic because there wouldn't be that much of an insulating cavity in a submarine also the seven foot lizard in, as well or a seven foot well, lizard that's but true. maybe you know this is the the special submarine they built with the service ducts 
Yes. It was a brand and new <laughs> submarine. You know, it's a special sort of test voyage of it. Uh, I did um, I did like the characterisation of the Ice Warrior as a soldier and the codes of honour. I'm going to call them the Ice Coteers. The Ice Coteers, why? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> harm one, harm us all. It's a very sort of one for all type affair. Speaking of the soldiers on the submarine, what I really loved about it was the age of the of the soldiers, of the of the seamen. Um, there were so many of them who were just very young boys and mm-hmm. you could see it on their faces kind of shining with a mixture of terror and bravery as they go around and you get the feeling just how young a lot of the combatants mm-hmm. in in most wars are there, there was a scene um well the, one of the scenes i particularly loved it's one of those scenes uh where it, it's when two of the soldiers are, sorry two of the submariners are looking for this uh, for the ice warrior and they walk through a doorway and uh, one of them keeps walking on talking and you can see you you, you know that okay the guy behind him is going to go now and these hands reach down and whip him away before the guy realises what's going on. And in most, in films and things like that, that really bugs me. In this, I absolutely loved it. It was it's sort of, predictable horror is fine with me. In Doctor Not even that we'll be heroes if we get out of here alive. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. I can't wait to see my wife and kids again. Ho, ho, ho. I'm looking forward to my dinner. I was interested in Hads, whether you, you were excited by Hads, Andy. I was excited by Hads. And I did think to myself when the TARDIS vanished, oh, it's the Hads. He's so- actually managed to put it on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah it, it, that did make me grin. But it was daft. I mean, what situation? When is the TARDIS not under attack? It's never not under attack. A lot of people don't shoot at it because it's just a blue box. Usually the danger is found by them when they walk away from the TARDIS. But I did notice when they were on the surface that Clara has a lovely bracelet made out of clocks. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I shall have to have a look. Yes. I wonder if that's significant. Probably. So then, everybody liked it, yes? I thought it was like, uh, if you imagine... A big rusty wheel cog mechanism thing that's been half submerged in seawater, maybe on a poorly maintained submarine yeah. that you have to crank round by hand. And every now and again, it just slows and gets a bit gritty. I thought the changes in tempo were such that every now and again, you wondered how the episode had been structured. And I mean, in some ways, I liked the changes in tempo from the emotional dialogue driven parts to the action things but every now and again it seemed a bit clunky so that's why i only sort of liked it it was a very specific it was a very specifically structured episode i could feel the structure of it but i didn't mind that i i felt it was like watching a bank holiday movie um maybe something like captain nemo or you know one of those kind of movies that you go escape to victory Mm. Those sort of, yeah, those kind of like roaring kind of, woohoo, bank holiday and I'm watching a fab movie movies. I thought it was like a torpedo. (laughs) (laughs) Solidly built, moved fast, knew where it was going, knew where it came from. I'm stretching the metaphor. It was brilliant. (laughs) I thought it was a a very nicely judged piece of writing um, with some very good characters and performances. It It was pretty straightforward in terms of threat and actually in resolution it it was kind of a satisfying resolution in that it was almost entirely non-violent at the end i know there was killing before um but i liked that you know you had 
the doctor f- um trying his hardest to find a way around any fighting and even though he failed most of the time um he he tried con- constantly to try and get the ice warrior to believe in his people and eventually he was proved right and i liked that that was Mm. the resolution rather than yeah. an explodey the killy one the doctor trying to make things right and i think that's a, a a fantastic part of his character cold war a heavy sleeper which re- receives icy reception end of world washed out interestingly i have written a haiku that reviews chris's haiku <laughs> <laughs> poetical ood your views are really super and quite succinct, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice Thanks. <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed episode 14 of our fifth series. Do come back next week when there will be episode 15. Yes, come back. Don't go <laughs> away. Come back. <laughs> so I hope you all have a lovely week. This is goodbye from Andy. Goodbye from me, Chris Alpha. Goodbye from me, Chris Sigma. And a toodle-pip from Laura. Podcast reviews about Doctor Who, then. That's what we do.
to be done.